Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many remember where we left off? Priorities. God's priorities. Sometimes we take things for granted. I know I do. I take for granted that people know what I know. I mean about the Word. And, you know, so sometimes you do. When you minister the Word, somebody say, well, you know, the Scripture out of here says over here, you know, Matthew 8, 17, to confirm me, bear sicknesses. I'll slow that down. Matthew 8, 17 says, Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Amen. And sometimes we just take it for granted that everybody knows himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Did you ever tell somebody, a believer, Abraham's blessings are ours, and they say, what's that? <laughs> you know, we live in another world sometimes because we keep hearing the Word and hearing the Word and hearing the Word. And uh, it's not good to take for granted that everybody knows what you know. And sometimes I think that's where we miss it sometimes in the area of lack of communication. Sit down and talk to somebody, and if you're not really communicating, you won't be hearing what they're saying. That's why Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, listen to what they're saying. And sometimes we're thinking about what we're going to say next, and before you know it, you go, huh, what did you say? Right? Lack of communication. Well, people do the same thing with the Word of God. Lack of communication causes people not to realize exactly what God said. Now listen intently to what he said about our priorities in life. And I believe it will help all of us in every area of our life. And I don't want to take it for granted that everybody's living their life like they're supposed to be living their life according to God's Word. And if you don't understand these principles, then of course, your faith could not be working. Let me give you an example. Well, I'm not trying to say that... Uh, God has favorites. I don't mean that at all. He doesn't have favorites. But He did say that He will openly reward those that keep His Word. Did He not? And that obey Him. And if we obey Him and do what His Word says, then of course His grace is being multiplied unto us. If His grace and peace are multiplied on our behalf, it's not that he loves anybody else more than anybody else. It's just that that person has learned how to line up his life with the Word of God. And if he lines up his life with the Word of God, then the blessings begin to flow. It's very simple. I've heard uh, some people say that, well, us pastors, what we have to do is we get you people that go to some of these meetings and you grab a hold of faith. You hear it one time. You hear a message here. You hear a message there. And then you just run off and you're just, just so excited on fire for God and on fire for the Word, you start confessing positive to the Word of God, you start saying the Word of God, and before you know it, you know, you're trying this and you're trying that, and everything's failing, and this is happening, and this is happening, and of course, Satan comes to attack you as soon as you get the Word. You go to your church, and he's not preaching the same truth that you heard at the meeting down the street, and before you know it, your pastor's got to come along and pick you up from being flat on your back because you didn't understand what God's Word was saying. You called it a faith confession. You've called, they've called it this. They've called it that. They've called it everything. And I want to say this. I believe that 
the men that are preaching the truth of God's Word need pastors to follow up on their teaching. Don't you? I, I believe that the worst thing that ever happened is when the... And I want to get this straight. When the body of Christ in general comes against the teaching of faith in their assemblies. When the entire, all the outside, all the assemblies, all those that make up the body of Christ get themselves together and they start saying, don't go off and believe that because that's not true. Don't go off and believe in that divine healing and faith healing business because that's not true. Don't listen to this guy because all he preaches is a bunch of garbage and that's not true. And this and that. And these people that are trying to get the truth of God's Word, they're trying to find a place to go to hear the Word of truth. And before you know it, Satan gets a hold of them, steals the Word from their heart, beats them, knocks them down or something like that, gets their marriage in trouble, gets their healing in trouble, gets their finances in trouble. And before you know it, these pastors come along and they say, well, we've got to pick them up and set them back on their feet. Yeah, and give them back all the garbage that the devil's not going to bother them again. Listen, I preach the word of faith because it's true. But I want you to hear this. We're talking about a lifestyle. If you're not willing to live your life according to God's plan for your life, then you're being rebellious against your Heavenly Father. And if we're not willing to follow His order of priorities in life, then I'll tell you what, we're not going to be any good to Him in the ministry. And we're not going to be a good shining light and example of what it means to walk by faith. He, the, the outside world and the church world should see believers that are walking by faith, walking in victory, health, and prosperity every day of their life. Now, I'm not saying they're not getting attacked, but I'll say this. you got the victory when the attack comes. You know how to handle it. You know what to do. Amen? Now, I believe we need more faith teachers behind pulpits in our everyday churches and all the assemblies to follow up on the teaching of faith. And I believe that's why Rama Bible Training Center and Word of Faith Bible College and all these great places that are feeding men and teaching men that, that are going into the ministry how to preach and teach the Word of Faith. I think that's why they're rising up. I think that's why the Lord has raised up these works. And some people say, well, you know, uh, I don't see the fruit of their labors, and I don't see this, and I don't see that. But listen, even now, it's like an army's going out. Maybe not everybody that goes down to these schools are called and they're anointed of God, but there's an army going out right now. People are calling upon men of God that are coming forth from faith schools to fill their pulpits, to teach them the truth, to teach them the word of life, to teach them what it means to walk by faith, to walk in love, to walk in victory. Not to teach flowery sermons about this guy and that guy and all these Old Testament stories. I, I tell you what, I, I don't see what people see in that. Do you? If I'm going to live my life for, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to have to be in what He has laid out in the New Testament. That's how to be delivered from the powers of darkness, translated into the kingdom of God, walking in health, walking in prosperity, walking in abundant life, walking in victory. That's why the gospel is the good news of the kingdom. That's why it's written. You ready to do it? Are you ready to do it? You're ready to grow up? Amen. And move on with Him? Let's open up our Bibles then. Well, let's go to the book of Genesis where we left off the fourth chapter, verse 1 this morning. And if you were not with us this morning, you'll have to buy the tape. If you don't have the money, we'll give it to you. I mean, that's, you know... Well, I'm saying that only for this reason, because 
I'm starting, I'm, I'm continuing on what we talked about this morning and you might be in the middle of it and you don't understand what I'm talking about. But we're talking about God's priorities in our lives. What God's Word says about priorities of life. And we started out with number one is being your relationship with God. First came the man. God established a relationship with his man. He breathed the breath of life into him. He became a living soul. Until he met God, there was no life in that body. Amen? Every man alive today, if you're not born again, you're not a man. You have no life in you. You're dead. The Bible says you're dead in your sins and trespasses. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers in this world. Without God. No hope and without God in this world. The only way you can become a man is when you're born again. We said that this morning. And it is the duty of every man in the world to establish his relationship with God because God's not doing it the second time. He's already done it as far as he's concerned through Jesus Christ. And now it's up to you and it's up to me to establish our relationship and develop our relationship with the Father God. It takes a moment to be born again. Amen. It just takes a decision to be born again. And then we said number two on the list was he saw that it was not good that man be alone, so he made him a help meet for him. Or he made a help suitable for him. And I like the term, I really like the term that says a she-man. Think about it. Woman, she-man. I think, it, I think it gives it a little bit more, it highlights a little bit better. I think it, we can see a little bit better. A she-man. So man's first priority in life is his relationship with the father. And his second one is his wife or his mate. And if you're a woman, it's your husband. It's the same thing. Number one is your relationship with the Father. Number two, it is your relationship with your mate. No, God didn't call you in the ministry to get a divorce. Uh-uh. No way. Can you see that? He wants unity. He wants harmony in the household. The ministry is going to be a little bit lower on the list if you're called to the ministry. And you're going to see how true it is. But number one, your relationship with God. Number two, your relationship with your wife. May I say this at this point? Come on, guys. Listen to me. Do you want to see your wife on her knees in her bedroom day after day? Oh, Father, thank you for my husband. I pray the eyes of his understanding are enlightened. Oh, I pray that he knows what is the hope of the calling that you placed upon his life when you made Jesus Christ rise from the dead and intercede day and night and day and night just to get you to do what you're supposed to be doing? Ladies, I'm going to give you a boost right now. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on and start doing what the Lord said to do in his word. You are to be a man. That means you are to establish your relationship with the Father God and you are supposed to wear the pants and be a man in the household. And it doesn't mean what tradition says, I'm the boss. If you are, you humble yourself before the Almighty God. And you take your responsibility as being a man in that household and walking in His light and walking in His love and walking in His life and you show your wife the ways of God. I say it right now, our prayers never, my, my wife and I, our prayers never went unhindered. Or never went away, hindered. They were always answered for us. And I know why as I look back upon our lives. Whenever I told her what God's Word said, I ran home from that job, ran home from the crane, and I said, Honey, the Word of God says right here, by stripes you're healed. It says we can have children. Glory be to God. You're going to have another child. You agree to that? She said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus' name be healed. That's all it was to 
When I said, honey, the Bible says by his stripes you are healed. You don't have to have that headache anymore. Those migraines don't have to stay anymore. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Jesus' name, you're healed. She agreed to what the Word of God said was true. And she got it just like that. But no, most, most families, it's on, the shoe's on the other foot. The wife's the one that's digging into the Word of God. The wife's the one that's trying to find out what, what God said in His Word is true. She's the one that's trying to be the spiritual leader. She's the one that's trying to teach the kids the Word of God. She's the one that's got to be responsible for going to church. I'll tell you what, that's wrong. It's not only wrong, but it's a shame. I used to work too. I know you know what it's like. Don't think just because I got called into the ministry you don't work anymore. I used to work, but I tell you what, I studied the Word of God. I wasn't a preacher when I got saved. When I first got saved, I was just like anybody else. But I got that Word of God and I dug deep and I dug my nose in that Word of God and I wouldn't, I wouldn't come out. I just would not come out. I knew it was my responsibility. I knew that. It is not the wise responsibility. It is the man's responsibility to take his place in the body of Christ, to take his place in a household, to be a man in the family. And start calling the things that God said to call in your life. Now, I'm sorry if you don't like that. God will heal your toes. He will. He'll do that too. And I used to, I used to, I used to just go and just, you know, I could walk away and I hear women talk about how their husbands don't, don't follow the Word of God. They don't study the Bible. They don't do that. I go, what in the world's going on? What is wrong? Where did you ever read in the Word of God that it's the, that it's the woman's responsibility I'll tell you what, I never saw in the Bible where it says, uh, women love your husbands. That's understood. But I saw in the Bible where it says, husbands love your wives. And if you'll go back to the beginning, you'll find out, men, that you have a great responsibility. The Bible goes on to say, Jesus Christ, or, or the, the, the woman subject be in submission to the man. The man to Jesus Christ and his head is God the Father. And you have a responsibility to see to it that your wife walks in the Word of God. You have a responsibility to see to it that your children grow up in the nurture. And you're going to see in the book of Ephesians, it is the man's responsibility to see that the children grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you've got to do it according to the wisdom of God. I don't care if you saved a thousand or a million, got a million people saved. If you lost your child, if you lost your child, you failed. You fail. Number one priority, your relationship with the Father. Number two, your wife. Number three, your children. Brother John here was just telling me, he heard Brother Hagin say, there's not, he could count on his hands how many pastors in the ministry, how many pastors did not lose any of their children to the devil. On his hands. That man knows a lot of pastors, he was saying. Ministers have... Preached the gospel and got everybody else saved. But when it came to their own children, they lost them. They lost them. Do you know why? You could preach it all you want. Take me to where you live. I want to see how you live it there. And if you don't think it's a responsibility to stand up here and preach what God's Word says to do and go back to your household and if you don't live up to it, your son or your daughter stands right there and looks you eye to eye and you can't be a phony in your own house. I mean that. I mean that. That's the truth of God's Word. And we're responsible to hold it fast in our own lives. 
in Genesis. I just thought I'd throw that in there for you ladies. I mean, sometimes they need a little help, you know. That faith works. <laughs> it works. But give them a little break, you know. The Bible says don't worry and don't get, you know, faint and you're going to reap. So don't worry and don't faint and we're going to pull this thing together. And if they want to get on anybody, they can get on me. Amen. <laughs> but listen, you know, some people just don't know. And that's why I just want to talk to you about it. Some people just don't. Some men just didn't realize it. They thought all they had to do was go to work eight hours a day. That was it. Once they got home, there was a king. Let me tell you something. These hands have changed the many diapers. Many. Scrubbed the many floors. Ran the sweeper many times. And I could just go on and on and on. You know why? I knew that my job was only eight hours. But my wife was 24. I mean, fed many bottles. And I hear some, some of them go off and brag, and I've never changed a diaper in my life, and I never will. Is that right? That doesn't show, you, show me anything but a little bit of ignorance. I mean that. I mean that with all the love I have in my heart. Since when is that only the woman's job? Those kids are your responsibility. They're my responsibility. They're her responsibility. And if you can't change a diaper, you can't teach them the Word of God. You can't be an example to them children. Men, listen to me. The Spirit of God moved upon me to get this message across. It's time to humble ourselves to Him. It's time to humble ourselves to Him. And begin to take our place as a leader of the family and in the household and show your wife and your children who it is that stands before God in the family. Can you imagine when, when the family lines up to what this teaching is, what, what God's Word says here about His priorities for the family and for, the life, for our lives? Can you imagine having your husband and your wife, just husband and wife just talking about the Word of God day in and day out, just excited about what are we going to do? Let's talk about Jesus. What do you want to do? Let's just get into the Word of God today. Praise God. Let's just listen to a tape. Let's just magnify the Lord. Let's get on our knees before God and just magnify. Thank Him for a wonderful plan of redemption. Can you see that kind of atmosphere? Can you see why Satan wants to destroy that atmosphere? Because the power of God is so strong and the glory. You, you talk about having two people agree together. When it's husband and wife, you've got the most powerful unit there, are, there, there is on the earth. You know why? You become one flesh. One can put a thousand to flight, you and your wife, you can put ten thousand to flight just like that. Glory to God. But this is what the Word of God teaches. I don't know what we know. We've just followed our tradition and religious teachings and, and we've seen somehow, I don't know where we saw it, but we, we just figured that, you know, the woman does her part, I do my part, and she goes that way and I go this way. He goes off and takes off on his job. Uh, she goes and does hers. He comes home. He wants to relax or do this or go out here and go with the guys or go fix the car, go do this or go play ball, do this and do this. And, and before you know it, she's going this way, he's going that way. And before you know it, you know what you have? One of two things. Either a divorce or two people living together that have nothing in common and nothing that holds them together except maybe their kids. That's it. And all they did was put up with each other for 30 years. And some of them after that got a divorce. After the kids grew up. That's sad. Missed out on all the blessings of God. Never ever lived. I tell people, that if, if I counsel in this area of, of married people, I tell them if your husband's not saved, you never had the, the privilege of living in a house that was filled with divine love. You never had somebody who can show you the agape love of God back to you. Never had that privilege. Because if you've never met Jesus Christ, you don't have this divine love. 
It was a one-sided thing. And if two people are not saved, they live in the same household, there's no divine love there. They establish their relationship upon common things. Compatibility, if there, if there was any. Some of them weren't even compatible. Let me go as far as to say this. Most marriage relationships are established upon a sexual basis. Physical attraction. And that is it. They get married. His interest is in cars. Hers is in, in art. And, and before you know it, all they do is live together under the same roof. Maybe have a child or two children. And when the car business gets old, and she's tired of seeing all that grease come in the house, and he's tired of looking at all the pictures, before you know it, you know what you have? He's going his way and she's going her way. Whatever happened to moral standards? Whatever happened to becoming one flesh? Whatever happened to what the Word of God teaches us about loving each other and putting God first in our life? And I'll tell you what. You'll find out that if you, if you counsel with people, if you, if you have a marriage problem, and you, if, you, if anybody here is, is in this category, you have a priority problem. Because when the man puts God first... And the woman puts God first and they submit themselves and humble themselves and draw near to God. That relationship is unmovable. It's solid. It's one. There's harmony. Mark eleven twenty three. you'll go off there. Mark eleven twenty four. you'll say in Jesus' name. Your, your wife or your husband will stand right by your side and agree together and it'll be done. See, people don't have to release their faith in other areas and get wore out trying to get your husband to... Or get your wife to do the things of God. Can you see where I'm coming from? Can you understand? I want to show you that this is more than just a confession of your faith. The word is true. There's no question about it. Mark 11, 23, 24 worked for anybody. But you can't be operating in it under strife. Look at this. Well, I'll quote it to you. The 17th chapter of Proverbs says, Better is a dry morsel than a house full of sacrifices with strife. You can't get your prayers answered that way. The Bible says that if you get in a strife with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your children, you're giving yourself over to, the, to Satan. He's taking you captive at his own will and you're letting him, have, letting him do it. Can you see that? Listen. Let's get our priorities right. Let's do what the Word of God says to do. Let's be a shining light and an example to others that when they see us, you're a man of faith, you have some credibility behind you. You hear me? Because we talk, I see people talk about it and they talk about it and they talk about it and they have nothing to show for it. Then you've got your good, good denominational person. He just sits around there. The devil never bothers him. I mean, why? He doesn't have the Word of God in his heart. He's just, 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 you know, just going right on through life, just waiting to get there. That's all someday. Takes whatever comes, accepts it from God, just sits around. The devil doesn't do anything to him. If he does, there's no way to get out of it, accepts it from God and that's it. And, but yet they got their house in order because, uh, you know... The devil's not attacking them in, their, in certain areas. He doesn't care. Just let them just sit out and stay out of the way. But as soon as you get in the, in, into the arena of faith, you've got the devil coming at you left and right because the Word of God is growing in your heart. How many of you, when you came here, and I mean this sincerely, when you first came here and started to hear the Word of Truth, how many of you got attacked instantly? Slip up your hand. Someone says, I never, I never got sick till I came here and heard the Word on healing. I never had to worry about paying my bills until I heard you preach prosperity, you know. And before you know it, look out. Okay, Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and 
bear came and said, I have gotten a man from who? From the Lord. Number three on your list of priorities. Number three. Your children. Number three. Your children. I've heard it said time and time again, if I just didn't, if I just had more time, I could do what God wants me to do. Ladies, are you ready to get set free? Your children, that's what God wants you to do. That's what He wants you to do. He's not standing over you with a big whip and said, You didn't read your scriptures today. He's not doing that. He wants you to live godly before your children. He wants you to speak the word to your children. It's more important for you to raise up and train up your children along with your husband's help in the way that they should go so that when they get old they will not depart from it than it is to sit around. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. But if you're just going to sit around and say, I'm going to listen to teaching tapes all day long. Your husband comes home from work. The house is a mess. You know God likes a neat house. Oh, I know that. Oh, I'll tell you, I know that. He's moved upon me one time. I never have a problem in that area because my wife... I heard Brother Hagin say, he read in one of his articles, he said, you want to see if a guy will make it into ministry? Go to his house and check his drawers. Open up the drawers. He says, I'll let, if you see them nice and neat, he'll make it. <laughs> That's right. He said, if you see them nice and neat, he says, they'll make it. If you see all everything thrown in there together like that, he says, just mark that one right now, he'll never make it. You watch. He says, I did it. I went over to some of the minister's house, he said, and they pull out their door. You know, he's, you know. And he says, and I saw the mess that's in there. He said, I, I mark it down, right? He says, this fellow won't make it. What do you think he got all these prophecies from? Glory to God. Wrote it down. He's not going to make it, no. He, two years later, said, I told you he wouldn't make it. His drawer wasn't cleaned out. Listen, I mean it. You first thing you get when you go to Bible school, you think it's glory to God, hallelujah, Mark eleven twenty three. No, the first thing I got when I got there was practical ministries. You got your bills paid? Uh, I was believing God. Your creditors don't want your faith, they want your money. That's right. They don't want your faith. You ever walk into a bank and say, Here's my car payment? Hand him a Bible. Doesn't work that way. Plus, it's, it's a discredit to the ministry. And it's a discredit to the Word of God. When I was at school, there were many, and I'm sad to say this, there were many that left without paying their bills. Owed the apartment that they stayed at. Clothes that they bought at the department stores and did not pay their bills. And they were calling the school to try to get their money. Can you imagine calling Rama Bible Training Center and saying, One of your students did not pay. What kind of name does that give a school like that? But of course, the devil's always trying to steal, kill, and to destroy. As a matter of fact, now that I have a lot of information behind me, if, and I won't even say if, I know... That right now, if I were to apply for Rama Bible Training Center in the same position that my family was in when we did go, I wouldn't be accepted. I, won't be, I wouldn't be accepted. If they would have known that my wife was pregnant and we had no hospitalization because I quit my job because I got called to the ministry and sold the house and did this and did that, and we had one already and I had to come down and we didn't have enough money to stay a whole year without working, and I had to work and I had to do this and I had to do If they'd have known all that, they'd have said, you hold off for another year, okay? Get yourself a few thousand dollars set away in the bank, then you come on down and it'll be nice and easy for you. 
As a matter of fact, after listening to some good teaching tapes on by Ken Jr. on the minister's family, I put myself at the bottom of the list. I would have been, if, if there was a list that said, who is least likely to make it through this, uh, through, you know, after getting out of school, making it into the ministry, been me. Or making it through the nine months that have been me. I didn't know this. I just figured everybody went down there and believed God. That's, that's what I was going to do. That's what I heard about faith. That's why I'm going to go down there and do it. I'm glad I didn't know it then. But praise God, I know it now. And that's why I want you to learn from what, what has happened. And from my experiences. If you hadn't believed God by the time it's, your bill is due, friends, do something. Don't discredit the Word of God. Go another route. I mean that with all the love in my heart. I didn't say faith didn't work. I said you failed to work it. And if you fail to work it, go pay your bill. Or go talk to them and say, now, look, I'm sorry. At this time, you owe your creditor an answer. If you borrowed from them, you owe that money. You don't owe the full amount of whatever the thing is. You just owe the payment. And if that payment is due, then you owe that payment. Get it right with them. That's a responsibility that we have. I don't know why we're getting off on this, but just hear me. Get it right. Faith is not something that, you know, something to discredit God. He pays all his bills. He paid the full debt, didn't he? He paid the full debt, and he didn't even owe it. But he did it for you and me. It's enough that we should pay our debts and be on time with our payments. That's the way God works. He's neat. He likes a nice house. He likes your payments on time. Amen? He does. I don't care if you've got to believe Him for the payment and it comes on the day that it's due, like some people I know. Uh, it doesn't matter. If your faith is working, I'll tell you what, if I didn't have it when it was due, I'd have got it some other way. You hearing me? I would have gotten it some other way. Because I owe that man money. No, God's not that way. I want you to realize something. The better you are in your household and your family, your relationship between your husband and wife, the neater your house is, nice weeds, weeds are all taken out, and, and the neater your house looks, and the better, you know, I heard Brother Hagin say one time, he said, if I drove by your house and saw your weeds way up to here like that, and uh, the garbage out over here and all over the place and this and that and everything, walked in and everything was just a mess and the drawers had things hanging out and this and that and everything. He said, if I saw all that, he said, can you imagine me saying over there, well, that's Brother So-and-so's house. Can you imagine that? And he's a man of God? Now listen, this is practical. This is the first I've heard. Practical ministries. And the Lord moved upon me one time. And someone was going into the ministry and he moved upon me and said, you go tell that person to get his house in order. Before he gets into the ministry. You tell him that I said. If you cannot take care of your household. You can't take care of the house of God. There's no way. I said yes sir. I'll do it. And praise God. You'll make it in the ministry. You'll make it in life. If you're that way in the natural. Well she got a, a man from the Lord. So your next response. Go to Ephesians the 6th chapter. Beloved, I mean to tell you this, I heard so much practical ministries, I mean, till it was coming out your ears. The spiritual does not leave the natural. The spiritual works together with the natural. It is holding this place all together. Everything functions down here because there's a higher law behind it, spiritual laws that make them work. And I'll tell you what, if you'll just learn these things and realize... That not everything in your life is all spiritual. 
But everything that you're doing down here is doing, you're doing it under the Lord. You're going to see that about your job, your place of employment, and your relationship with the people that you work with. You're going to see that it's in the Word of God. You're going to see that it's with the government. You should never talk about the government. I, I told on that once before. Never talk bad about the government. That's wrong. It's wrong. And we should always be praying for Israel. Look at the sixth chapter. We, we read the fifth chapter, verses 23 through 33, talking about the wife relationship. We started off saying that the first five chapters is talking about the individual's relationship with the father. Then we said, and really, it's man and woman, but if you go to the 22nd verse, you see, he says, now he is specifically saying, now wives, do this. Can you see that? Now he goes on down in the next step, and you're going to see step number three, chapter six, verse one. What's the first word? There it is. This is God's order of priorities. If you have established your relationship with the Father, and now your second thing is that you're establishing it with your wife, so it's a solid one, it's one that's ordered by the Word of God, you are in God's perfect will. People say, I want to be in the will of God. Well, listen. Get it right in the house with your wife and with your husband. You're in the perfect will of God. Now, children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And I think some people don't, don't realize that this is in the Bible, verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It doesn't say just send them off down the street with some little girl next door and let them go to Sunday school somewhere. It says fathers. If you're a father here today, you have a great responsibility. Every precious moment you spend teaching your child the Word of God and being an example to your child of what it means to live godly before the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father, every moment you spend is in the perfect will of God. And you better catch them while they're young or you'll be doing a lot of praying when they get older on your knees. You hear me? If you don't catch them while they're young, You'll get on your... If you're a father right now and you say, well, I wasn't saved then, then get on your knees right now. And I mean don't get off of them. This is the will of God. This is the will of God in our lives. This is His order of priorities in the Christian life. Let's go back and let's show you again that this is saying the Word of God is always proving itself to be true. To Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. There's a twofold thing here and that's why I want to get into both of them. There's a blessing. Now listen, fathers and listen, children. Parents and children. Both. Parents and children. There's a two-fold thing here that's going on. There's a blessing for the parent. And a lot of parents are not receiving their blessings because they're not doing what the Word of God said. And there's a lot of children that's not receiving their blessings because they're not doing what God said. And I don't care who's right and wrong. You might as well just face it. If you're arguing, you're both wrong. Forget who's right and wrong. Do what the Word says and you'll both be right. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Let's begin with verse 1. Now, now, let me remind you. Fathers, first of all, this is a commandment and a statute. That doesn't leave the mother out, but it puts a lot of responsibility on the father. Listen to what it says. These are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it that you might fear the Lord your God. And if you're not doing it, men, you're not fearing God. And His commandments, which I command you, you, your son, and your son's son, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with you. There's your blessing, parents. That it may be well with you, and you may increase mightily. That's prosperity and everything that goes with it. As the Lord God of your fathers has promised you in a land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. Now listen, he's talking to both, the mother and the father. Here it is. You've established a relationship with the father, and you've established a relationship with your husband and wife. Look at the next thing he says. Verse 7. And you shall teach them diligently unto your children, and talk... He didn't go off and say, and you shall go forth and be an evangelist. Or be a pastor, or be a teacher, and go to this town, and go to that town, and start to teach all these people how to do this and do that. He said, you shall teach them diligently unto your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. You know what that tells me? He knew that your kids were going to have to hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it. I think, I don't know what the statistics are, but what is it? The age of what? Four, five years old, six years old, that, that children are going, to, are going to set their pattern of life? They've learned and they're going to act that, they're going to be that way. It's what they get when they're young. That's why I said if, if they're older, you're going to have to get on your knees and just pray the power of God to change their lives. But he meant what he said here. At least for those years, those four, five, six years, you are diligently teaching them the Word of God, the Word of truth. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you sit in your house and talk around the table, don't talk about Brother Psalms, don't talk about the Word. Talk about the Word, talk about the Word, talk about the Word. It'll be well with you, parents. You'll live long on the earth. Now, there's your blessing. Now, you want to know why Mark 11, 23 and 24 doesn't work for some. Oh, honey, them kids just drive me up a wall. Let's agree for $100. I mean, it sounds foolish, doesn't it? I'll tell you what, if you get deep into God's Word, you, you hear people talk, you just sit back and laugh. You just sit back and laugh and say, Dear God, they say faith doesn't work. They say you're shallow in the Word of God. Dear Lord, they had not even begun. I mean, if you haven't begun in faith, you haven't begun to live for God because He said the just shall live by faith. Right? That's right. Now, here's why a lot of people are not getting their prayers answered. They're screaming at their kids. They're, they're training up their kids in anger. They're provoking them like the words of God said not to do. And we've all been guilty of it. And I'm going to share this with you just because I believe you can learn from my experience. And, and uh, praise God, that's why I'm here. I've, I've had to go to the same thing with Lisa. I mean, uh, she was going on, what, three and a half when I got saved. I don't know anything to teach her about the Word of God. What am I going to do then? But we start training her, teaching her in, in the ways of God, teaching her what the Word of God says. And that means training doesn't mean just to... Just to uh, give them to bring them to Sunday school. Train means you show them by example. You take them by the hand. You show them what to do. If you train somebody to do something, it's like you, you get a motor to take apart. And the kid doesn't know. You just tell them what to do. No, but you go there. You get the wrench. You stick it on there. And you say, now look, you've got to turn this like this. And you say, now you see this? It goes over here. You've got to do that. And you do it for them. And you get the, their hand. And you put it over there. And you, and, you, and you do it with them. And you do it for them. You train them how to do it. I had to take Lisa aside sometimes. And I say, and first of all, I had to repent. Because when you discipline your child out of anger, I don't care if, who you think you are. If you do it out of anger, you sin. You hear? If you, do, if you discipline your child, that child that was given to you by the Father God is a human life that he is very fond of. 
And the way you train that child is going to determine the blessings in your life. And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God. The blessings in your life and your relationship with the Father God. I had to take her aside. I had to uh, get her aside and say, Now, honey, man, you ever tried doing this? I'll tell you what, you'll you, you use a lot of faith. You will use a lot of faith. When they have just nagged and done this and done that, you know what, you know, children, children are children, what they do. And you're on a phone and they're going like this here and pulling on your pant leg and, and you know, and you got one on your arm and he's trying to bite the cord, you know, the little one doesn't know it. And the other one's screaming in the, in, in the high chair if he wants something to eat, you know. I mean, you know, just, they're growing up. And uh, if you turn off and go, pow, you know. You, you, you do it out of anger and you're sinning because that's not the way to do it. You've got to, take, you've got to use your faith. You've got to take him aside and now say, Honey, I'm going to show you what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to do. Take him by the hand. First of all, I love you. Second of all, I'm training you this way because the Word says, If I train you up in the way you get old, when, in the way you should go, when you get old, you won't depart from it. And you'll be healthy. Children, listen to me. You're not to obey your parents for not only because the Word says so, but He says there's a blessing for you. You'll live long on the earth and it'll be well. I want to have well days. There'll be well days and you'll live long on the earth. And so Lisa has heard this time and time again. It'll be well with you, honey, and you'll live long on the earth. Oh. Boy, does that, that just, you know, opens up their eyes. Not, not like this. Don't do that. Why, Daddy? Because I said so. That's as shallow as you could get. Because I said so. No, don't do that, honey. Why not? Because that's disobedience. And the Bible says you're to obey me and your mother, your mother and I so that you could live long on the earth and it'll be well with you. Well days means no sick days. Now you want to keep your kids in hell? Teach them that. And then say, now here's what you have to do. And if you're not teaching your kids this way, you better start training them right now. Get on your knees. Don't just say you're sorry to me. Say, Heavenly Father. And she'll repeat the prayer. I've sinned against my father and you. I disobeyed. Forgive me for what I did. In Jesus' name, I receive my forgiveness. And I turn from it. And, amen. Can you see that? You've got to take him by the hand. You've got to train them. You've got to show them how to do it. it takes, yes, it takes patience. Yes, it takes faith. It takes a lot of self-control. But friends, you have to do it. You have to do it. That is a ministry in itself right there. To train up your children. I heard Ken Stewart, fine man of God. Wonderful man of God. He, said, he, he was talking about, I remember when, you know, some ladies have kids that are one, two, and three years old. He says, and I remember when mine were there. And I said, he said, thank God so many times I try to forget it. Why? Because a, a woman has, a, has her hands tied 24 hours a day to train up them children. And a father comes home, he comes home from maybe a long day at work, and, and before you know it, those kids don't, they're not going to stop. You're going to have to just continue right on when you get home and show them the right way. It's going to be 24 hours a day for both parents. And some say it's a lot easier to say, go outside and play and do this. That's wrong. That's the wrong attitude. But listen to me. There is a great blessing for training your children in the ways of God. And, you know, their health will be speedily. Their healings will come like that. I'll go beyond that. They'll stay well. I don't remember... And I don't say this, you know, people say, oh, them faith pre preachers, they brag on themselves. I'm not bragging on me. I don't remember a day, hardly more than a day, that my Lisa ever been sick since, since she fell. When we first got saved, that's four years. 
She hasn't had an ounce of medicine in her body. She hasn't been sick a day in four years. I mean, I mean, cause nothing, nothing, nothing. And if it comes on her, we just, she says, agree with me, in Jesus' name, you're healed. And she goes off. I mean, I just walk around and say, glory to God, look at that little, you know, faith of a little child. I say, praise God. And it's because she's being taught to walk in the ways. Now, don't go off and say, I said my child, and, and your child, everybody else's child, you know, they don't do anything wrong. Listen. I believe in speaking the Word of God, and I, I speak the Word of God over my child. You know as well as I know that if a person is going to grow, a child is going to grow up, they're going to make mistakes just like you make mistakes. Right? But if you will train them, though, you know when a blessing starts, as we said this morning, the blessing starts when you make the decision in your heart, I'm going to train my child. That's it. That's all he's looking for. I'm going to train my child. Okay, children. Let's go back to Colossians. We'll get back to Ephesians in a minute. Let's go to the book of Colossians. And let's see uh, Let's see the same pattern here. I just want to show you that it's the same pattern. I'm not pulling something out of the air somewhere. It's the same pattern in the book of Colossians. But I want to throw this in right now. Parents, some people say, well, I don't know why my kids don't get healed right away. Listen to me. If you're not confessing the word over your children now, you should be going in the bedroom at night, laying your hands on the child's head, saying... You're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You will grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when you grow up, you'll be a Star Wars Christian. And you'll never depart from the ways of God. You'll be filled with the Spirit, talk, talking in tongues and laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. You will, will be walking mightily in the Word of God, in the wisdom of God, in the knowledge of God, the love of God, the light of God. Speak that and you are healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. And you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Take time to speak the Word over your child. Speak it. Lay your hands on them. That's why we have the laying on of hands. It's good for anything. Just lay your hands on that child and speak it continuously over that child. I'll tell you what, it'll be well with you, parents. Now look it over here in the 18th verse. Wives, see, he went from speaking about your relationship. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, children, here's the same pattern. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, scoot back to 6th chapter of Ephesians. See, honor that, verse 2, honor thy father and mother. Now, children, if your parents are not teaching you the Word of God, if they're not doing this, or if you don't happen to like the way they're disciplining you or training you up or doing and if you just seem to say, well, I don't care. Listen, that's a poor attitude you have towards your parents. They may be wrong. I'm not saying, as a parent, I've been right 100% of the time. Can you say that? Dear God, I don't believe there's a person, if you, if you say that, you have to come up here, we'll pray for you. You know, lying's in the Bible. We're not allowed to lie. Right? We've all done wrong. I mean, we've all missed it. No question about it. Raising our children. That doesn't mean he, he may win a little battle, but he doesn't win the war. We win the war, amen, as long as we walk in the ways of God. Now, you, it's a bad attitude that children have against their parents. And they, they, they feel, you know, we're right and they're wrong. And so they get upset about it. And what, what do they do? They walk right out from under the blessings. Whether or not your parent is right or wrong, if you will give them the respect and honor them and walk in love towards them, whether or not they're walking in love towards you, you will have the blessings fall upon you. It works two ways. Parents, if you do it, you'll be blessed. If the children, they do it, they'll be blessed. 
If you both do it together, oh, look out. I mean, look, that's why the devil tries to get to the household first, the family. If he could ever get that family unit together as one, if the Lord can get us all together, just the one family unit together as one, look out, the blessings of God are flowing like never before. Well, if you're a child out there, you hear these words. Why should you obey your parents? It'll be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. I like that. I want to live long on the earth and I want it to be well with me. You know that'll cut you out a lot of Mark 11, 23's? I believe I received my healing. Mark 11, 24's. I mean that. There's a lifestyle beyond that. Listen, beloved. There's a lifestyle beyond just confessing and confessing and confessing. It's walking in it. I walk in the victory. Glory to God. These things die when they touch me. Hallelujah to Jesus. That's a lot better than having to get out of it, isn't it? Well, obedience, faith in the Old Testament was nothing more than obedience. And when you're doing it and being obedient to what the Word says to do in God's priorities for living, oh, praise God, the grace and the peace and the mercy of God is just so strong upon you. Now, let's go to a fellow in Genesis, the 18th chapter, to give you an example. Now, hallelujah. Who invented clocks? You mean, I wanted to get this all in one series. How much time I got back there? Praise God. I want to get this all on one tape. Come on, let's go. Praise God. 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. 18th chapter of the book of Genesis. Uh, look at verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now listen, Abraham's blessings are yours. Now look at the next verse and study it. For I know him, he, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. Look at the last phrase. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken unto him. There it is, friends. It's right there. You want to let the Abraham's blessings fall upon you? You start doing what it says. You're going to teach your children and your children's children. Listen, this is where it's at. I'm telling you right now. You've got to walk according to God's Word in these areas. You've got to walk in harmony in the household with your wife, with your children. If you do this first in your life like He says here, why do you think He said... How could God bless Abraham if his children were going to go by the ways of the devil? Now listen. Something to think about. If he blesses Abraham, Abraham's going to give his children all the inheritance. They're living for the devil, and the devil gets all the inheritance. God doesn't work that way. He says, if your children will not follow, I can only give you so much. Because you're going to pass it right on down to your kids. Whether they live for me or not, you're going to pass it right on down to your kids. But if your children are living in the ways of God, boy, there's a twofold blessing here. You're going to get it, they're going to get it, and the, the glory of God, the power of God, the blessings of God, all that belongs to you, you're going to be able to get. Why? Because he says, I know my servant Joe and John and Mary and Pete, I know them. They're going to teach their children, and now I can give them all the blessings that I said. Can you see that? So, number three, children. Number four, let's move on. Your relationship, and we can either make it four and five or four A and B, whichever you want to do. Uh, I meditated on this before I brought it forth because I said, well, let's, let's tie it in like it's supposed to be. 
your relationship with your local body and pastor. Your relationship with your local body and pastor. Why is that important, you say? Well, if you have not established a relationship with the, with the brethren, if you don't have brotherly love and kindness towards those that are of kindred faith, those that are of the household of faith. How in the world can you establish a relationship with anybody beyond that point that's in the world? Your job, most people are employed by non-believers. If you are, raise your hand. Okay, now listen. How are you going to be a shining light and example if you cannot get along with the local body? And I'll tell you what, it's a bad thing to walk into a place of employment and start seeing two Christians argue about their doctrine. Do you ever see the non-believer say, these two are supposed to be Christians. Do you ever hear them argue? I mean that. They get it. That's right. And you know what? That's a disgrace. It is. And I think as we grow older in the Lord, we get more wisdom in these areas. So, let's just leave it right there. Fourth of all, and let's look at, go back to Ephesians. Fourth of all, your relationship with the Brotherhood, your relationship with the body of Christ. In Hebrews the 10th chapter, we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You should be in right standing in your local body. You should be in right standing with your pastor. He should know your lifestyle. He should know the kind of life you live, if that's possible. You know, if it's not too big of a congregation to where he could know. He knows your attendance. He knows that you're faithful in that, in that aspect. And you think that that doesn't mean anything? I'll tell you what, that means something. He knows how many hasn't missed any services. He knows how many only misses when it's a, it's a, it's a necessity or a dire need, something, something, you know, you can't be there. But listen, faithfulness is, is a reward. There's a reward for faith and faithfulness in the Word of God. Hear me when I say this. And I mean this with all the love of my heart. You're coming here for Him, not for me or anybody else that stands behind this pulpit. If this is your place of fellowship, if this is your place of worship, then if the doors are open, I say we should be here. Nobody told me to go to church when I got saved. I didn't care who was preaching. I didn't care who was there. You saw me somewhere near the front with a notepad and with a pencil and whatever came out, I wrote. And if it was hay, I ate it. And if it was sticks, I kicked it out. I mean that. And I was there every time the doors opened. I was even there when I had to work the night shift. I started at 10 o'clock. The service went to about 9.15. I had my clothes in the car. I took my clothes down to work. I didn't even go home. I went straight from the church to work. So don't go off and tell me, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't work like I did. Yes, I did. And nobody twisted my arm. I was there. When the doors were open, I was there. I thought everybody was like that until I started going to church and I found out they weren't. <laughs> Now listen, you say, oh, rookie's picking on... I'll tell you what, you want your blessing? You want to say, be healed to your children in Jesus' name and watch them get healed in Jesus' name? Be faithful. Simple. These things are important. See, the Bible's more than Mark 11 23, as far, but it's the principles, basic principles. But I'm talking about duties, responsibilities, priorities. Okay, let's take... I don't have time to expound on Let's go to the last one and then we'll close it off right here. We get it all on tape. Praise God. Uh, the last one will be Ephesians, the sixth chapter. You can find in the other ones. We'll just look at Ephesians. All right, right after he talked to the children, go up to the fifth verse. Right after he talked to the children, fifth verse. 
Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to, according to the flesh. According to the flesh. Yeah, that's in the Bible. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And if you're in the position that you are the boss, masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is a respect of persons with him. And I'd like to get into that finally, too. Praise God. Now listen, what he's saying is this. There is a great reward. You're working not for that man. You are working for the Lord. I used to work in a plant that made these little lids. And boy, they didn't like me. The workers didn't like me. Because if, if everybody worked like I worked, they wouldn't get any overtime. Anybody else made 200 of them, 300 of them. I made 1,000 of them a day. They used to come in. Well, anyway, that's, that's getting gross. Dear Lord. Why not? <laughs> They used to come and spit in the containers where I used to get these things and put them together. You know, and I'd go, throw that one out. <laughs> because I was working so fast and so hard for my employer. I wasn't working for him. I was working for the Lord. Amen? I worked at some little like a stop and go quick trip. And I worked, when I was ready to leave that place, they said, no, we don't want you to leave. I was ready to come back home. They we don't want you to leave. Best worker we ever had. And I'm not saying that all on me. I'm saying that there's a reward for that. There's a reward for living and working hard for God. I was working for Him. Say, I worked the night shift by myself. I was my own boss. They say, oh, I bet you got a lot of study time. And no, I didn't because I had to work too much. I didn't, go, I didn't go to that job to work or do my homework. If I had time, I'd sit and open up my Bible. If I had no time, and I mean when I was totally done, and usually... Totally done. Then I did somebody else's job. Then, if I had time, I'd do it. And there's a reward for that. Now, you keep all these things in mind and then realize laying your hand on your child. He sees your faithfulness. He sees the small things that you do. He sees your obedience to doing all the right things. He sees your diligence in pleasing Him according to the Word of God. Amen? Now, listen. You begin to do it. And you're going to see a whole new lifestyle. A whole new lifestyle. Praise God. We're going to close it off right here on the tape because I got more in me. Hallelujah to Jesus. If you want to get the rest of the tape, right here. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.